What? Well, the unforeseen well, underpants well, gnomes. I don't know what that. The underpants gnomes. What underpants gnomes? From Steve? South Park, Steve. Okay. Steve. Get with your fourteen-year-old references. Hello and welcome. I'm Steve. And I'm Al. And I'm Brett. And this is Fools with Tools, a podcast for the unforeseen underpants gnomes. <laughs> just, yeah? just go with it. Okay. Nailed it. Uh, yes. So, gentlemen, how are we? What's everyone up to? Al, Brett is drinking, so you go. Um, it's my birthday. Yay! Yay! And uh, my friend got tickets to go and watch the, the Avengers, and then I had to work in London. Boo. Boo. Yeah, but it was your birthday. And it's my birthday. Yay! Yay! <laughs> Everybody. Else. And then I got uh, child flu. I found there's something worse than man flu, and it's child flu, which is flu that you get off children. Yeah. It's worse. Every time you go near the little stinkers, you get ill. <laughs> being uh, on a plane or being their kids. Have you got a spoiler free review for Endgame? Not as good as Infinity War. Nice conclusion to the 22 film saga that we've all been watching. Yeah, I agree with that. For it to be not as good as Infinity War is not a negative. It's no, exactly. It's fucking brilliant. Yeah. And there was general moments where I made the jizz noise out loud <laughs> in the cinema. Yeah, me too. Um, and grabbed my mate's legs several times in excitement. Yeah. <laughs> I, I definitely squealed a few times. And all the, right. I think, I think the Thor Abides is my favourite part of the entire <laughs> the entire saga I think it was absolutely fantastic yes yeah absolutely brilliant but other than uh, that no spoilers cool. I've not seen this yet oh, so it's good um Brett because you're going to go into talking about stuff I'm going to jump in ahead of you yeah uh I have not been at work um hey. because hey. I don't work anymore hey uh, Hey. Uh, anyway, uh, unfortunately, I have not been anywhere near the workshop. I've not even had a sniff of the workshop uh, just because I've been getting pulled in too many other directions and having to do too many other things. Uh, so I've not had any fun workshop times, which means I've also not had time to film the video that I wanted to film to get out before today. Uh <laughs> In response to Brett's challenge the other week. So no. hopefully that might happen uh, when Rasmus is here. Um, but yeah, that's basically it. I've just been running around like a blue-ass fly trying to do a million different things. I've never heard that before. <laughs> Talking to blue-ass <laughs> flies, um, I did get all the uh, merch stuff done for Make Essential like, hey. at the very last minute. It was like, it'd be fine, Make Essential's oh. months away. And then it was like, uh, eight working day lead time on t-shirts. <laughs> I was like, Monday's a bank holiday. I was like, fuck! <laughs> <laughs> and it was literally down to like the the, the hour on the midnight. Yeah. And I was like, fuck, I've just got, just got all the files sent off and stuff. Nice. Uh, and I was like, please don't post it. I'll come and pick it up. <laughs> if you post it, I'll miss the delivery. There you go. Um, yeah. Actually, yeah, because uh, as well as that, you've got some of my stickers in there, which is yes. good. Uh, and uh, the thing that I forgot to mention... I picked up my T-shirts um, yeah. and put them on uh, the Instagrams and I'm already sold out of large and I think I've only got a handful of other uh, sizes left. So that went much better than expecting. Nice. So, Damn. Yeah. Was that done at Firefly? Yes. Yeah, that was uh, Firefly screen printers. Um, yes. Although I'm a little... Not a sponsor. Uh, no. Uh, a little disappointed with the... Um, T-shirts themselves because Definitely they're the... <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, because uh, the print is fantastic, but they're the Gildan heavy cottons, and I thought they were the Gildan uh, ring sprung ones. Oh, so they're just ones. Yeah. Uh, so... Do you want me? Do you want durability or do you want comfort? Exactly. So this is the thing: is they weren't quite the ones I thought they were, but they're. I mean, they're Gildans. They're what every band has ever had their T-shirts printed on, <laughs> so they're fine. Uh, yeah. Uh, Brett, what have you been up to? I was in Cleveland for a Lincoln Electric event, which I was asked to uh, join up with Zach from ZH Fabrications and 
uh, sit on the anvil for two days and teach people how to make fun blacksmithy things. Considering it was my first go around of teaching. Mm-hmm. Um, there was definitely some intimidation and a little bit of the, the uh, imposter syndrome, you know, sitting in there hours before. Um, but it, it, it went really well and I felt very comfortable and confident. It turns out Evan from Evan and Caitlin was the first one to go, I want to do a thing <laughs> on the anvil. And I remember going, okay, so you've done this before, right? And he goes, actually, we really just use the power hammer and watched Alec work a lot. I was like, all right, well, you're going to do this all today with a hammer. <laughs> um, and it was really cool because I got to use Evan, who's you know six six or whatever, as a litmus test to figure out what we could do uh, comfortably in a short period of time. A lot of people made S hooks. We did lots of lots of twists and fun shapey bits and everyone seemed to have walked away with something they created and uh the event itself had a lot of really good camaraderie and everything was pretty wide open so you were really just able to go from maybe you'd listen to the talk which everybody kind of shut down for the the main on stage talks hmm. and then everyone would go back to work um ellen was there and did her first woodworking project, which came out absolutely brilliant. She made a little Japanese tea table. <laughs> yeah, it looked <laughs> and the guy, awesome. The guy that was running the wood shop was like going around telling people, like, she's never done any woodworking projects before. She did angled tenons. Like, can you, you don't understand what this means. Um, so there was a brilliant amount of achievements unlocked on her end. Um, Jess ended up showing up Friday night. Uh, and, we all got to do a hangout at Tim's. Tim Cunningham was nice enough to host a little Fools with Forge situation. I got to eat Franco's food. Boo! Um, so jealous. Yeah, be jealous. It was absolutely amazing. <laughs> and it, it came, it's not the kind of thing where you like made a little bit of food and just kind of, you know, it was on a few trays. It was like all perfectly stacked and nicely presented, even, you know, given the fact that it was in plastic tins and things. He actually made. Best thing was he made coffee jello. Yeah, oh, yeah. I've seen that before. It looks amazing. I've never had it before, and I could have eaten a bowl of that, and I'm sure I would have been wired for the next three days, but never had it before. Franco did an amazing job, as expected. But it was a really unexpected situation. You know, Tim kind of threw it on uh, relatively last minute, and they got all the planning done. Some more people went there. After two days of forging, I joined in and, and banged around a little bit of metal. But it was really, really nice. We had a nice, small, tight-knit group. Everyone got to hang out. Everyone got to meet a lot of people that they've only known through social media. So overall, amazing event. But to segue and to pronounce the segue and make sure that everybody's aware that I'm segueing right now since I'm taking the reins, not Steve. Um one of the main uh, talks that Craig, the rep from Lincoln, had was about uh, micro influencers. You know, throwing around throwing around terms we all hear on a daily basis. If if you do the social media or the YouTube thing, um, but he actually did a lot of disarming in the talk, which I don't know that anybody really knew exactly what he was going to be touching on. But um, the specific point that a lot of us. Smaller channels took away are the people that are just starting out and wondering, you know, how how would I go from zero to maybe at some point in the future being able to get a sponsor or or getting attention from anybody that might be able to help me out with tools or equipment, what have you. Um, he showed us an app that he uses as as a marketer, and this came out of a lot of marketing conventions that he had been to. Uh, it shows analytics of of people on YouTube or your social presence uh, on Instagram and things. And there's they've gotten it locked down to a lot of ratings and it's a lot of numbers that don't really mean a lot unless you're on the inside. And uh, long story short, uh, it was it was very enlightening to see how much they are putting focus on smaller channels because of engagement numbers over subscribers and viewership and how a person with 5,000 subscribers, but a ton of engagement 
is not only better for their brand, but also someone that they actively look at throwing money towards because it's a better return on investment uh, as opposed to the person that might have, you know, millions of subscribers, but really their channel or their brand doesn't actually engage much with people. So it was, it was really, really nice to hear uh, as somebody who's, you know, trying to create a little bit of a brand or business for themselves that, people on that level that you would only expect to go after the biggest fish in the sea actually really, really see the potential in smaller folks that are more engaged with and have more of a presence on a small scale. Absolutely. And I think just, just staying on that specific topic for a little while, like you do see the brands kind of reaching out to, to people who, like you say, might not necessarily have the, the impressive numbers on the paper, but, in reality, the, the the more niche someone is, the more likely are for their audience to be relevant and want to be participating and engaging in those specific things. So, like, you know, uh, a belt grinder sent out to someone who, you know, has a small channel and does a lot of knife working. It's like the, his, their audience are going to be doing exactly that and they're mm-hmm. going to be interested in the tools they're using and um, potentially be more custom than something that's a little bit more mainstream, a little bit more entertaining and not necessarily a specific target audience. So I think it's smart. I think it's, it's humble. And like you say, not just the expected um, to just, you know, chase the big, the big numbers. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it also shows a side to brands and it's, I think we've talked about it in the past, but like it's, it's a similar with um, sort of any, any, any walk of life for, for a brand. It's like, gone are the days of, of, of big boy marketing and just shouting at you and a one-way conversation um you know drink coke like those days are gone yes yeah. it, it, it's now like this um audience participation uh consumers know what's going on they know what your ingredients are they know what things are made of there's less bullshit um so you have to engage and that does mean speaking to the little guy and it does mean you know um i don't, I don't know if you saw the recent uh carlsberg campaign where so but, but like carlsberg's um tagline is probably the best lager in the world and it always has been for decades that's been okay. their, their claim and it's not and everyone knows <laughs> that it's not. and it tastes like piss um the export stuff was a little bit better but the, like actual carlsberg on draft was fucking horrible but that was that was their their, their shtick was probably the best lager in the world probably yeah and it was sometimes they did quite nice things, and it was like you know probably mm-hmm. you know, they kind of played on it a while, and they just turned around the, like a couple of months ago, and they were like, you know what, we're not fooling anyone, and it's and then they just changed it to probably not the best lager in the world, and they basically <laughs> they've completely redone their um, their brew and their recipe, yeah, and and the entire campaign was um, basically them reposting on social media people slagging off Carlsberg. <laughs> So, so they were just like we were just tweeting stuff, and it was like, um, you know, Carlsberg tastes like piss. Uh, Carlsberg tastes like the bathwater that my nan died in. And there's just all, <laughs> there's just all these like really fantastic, really like horrific graphic things about them. And even to the point of like they were posting conversations with people, like, "Do you mind if we use your tweet?" And people were like, "Why on earth would you want to use my tweet?" I was just yeah. completely like slating your product, and there were, it was just this this exercise in humility and going okay, our beer is not that good. Um, we need to do something about it. We need to reach out to the people who matter. Yeah. But, I mean, I think, like like you say, the, the way that marketing's gone, it's it has completely changed. I mean, you look at, like, uh, speaking of Twitter, you look at, um, uh, like, Wendy's and people like that. Like, they just get involved in flame wars, and it's not, like, they're not, um, <laughs> they're not advertising, in, or they're not, building a brand in terms of putting adverts out there saying, Oh, we make less burgers or whatever. Yeah, yeah. They're just, they're making a brand for themselves by being the most brutal uh, flame war. Like it's, <laughs> it's fantastic. And it's just, it's a completely new way of doing it. And I really for those, like for those it. Of us, uh, that are employed. Could you just explain what a flame war is? <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> uh, for those, those of you who are from the 1800s, uh, a flame war is basically, uh, having an argument with someone on the internet and just being a dick about it, but coming up with the funniest uh, <laughs> put downs you can. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, like, cause the, the kind of analogy from what Brett was saying, like the idea of um, 
of having the the jimmies of the world that have got you know a, a million subs or whatever and them saying oh you should buy this product it's great mm-hmm. and like especially when it's like i know he he um got a load of backlash from the vikings uh <laughs> game thing and uh and like so yeah you, you know full well that someone doing a, a 30 second shtick in the middle of their video is is, is selling something and they're, they're doing it for money and you know we we've all got to pay for um our lives so there's nothing wrong with that but i don't tend to particularly engage with it it's just like all right okay well while they're doing that i'm just gonna text out or do something um whereas if it's someone that's a bit smaller that you you do engage with a bit more you you, you kind of want to listen a bit more and you're like all right well all right maybe if brett's talking about this then it's not a piece of shit thing it's it's actually worth lis- listening to you go um, out and buy a wood rasp yeah exactly but because i kind of think of it as, as the same way as if like if you're working for a big company and the the ceo of the company says everyone should buy or everyone should vote for this person or buy this product or do this thing you're just going to go you know whatever and ignore it but if three of your mates that work in the same department as you are all going oh, you should totally do this thing or buy this thing or whatever then you're a bit more likely to go oh okay and may- maybe i'll pay a little bit more attention to that um because it's more relatable it's it's that that and it's someone that you feel like you have a connection with as well yeah i think you know we we try and keep it off of at least this platform that we're talking about. And I really don't want to not, not that we're all going down this direction where we're just going to talk about YouTube the entire time. But uh, I think the idea or the interpretation that you can get from that is that your, your influence doesn't have to be millions and millions and millions of people on paper. Like Al said, you know, it's, like your mates that you work with when we talk about looking at the tradesmen and what they use, it's not the person shilling it online because they're either sponsored by them or um, have some kind of running deal. It's, you know, I look at Patrick, our electrician, Patrick's entire personal set of gear that he brings up when he does the electric on the barn. All of it is Milwaukee. Mm. And he's told me outright, I go, okay, so you use all Milwaukee gear. Why? He's like, because I've dropped more Milwaukee tools and they still work than every other tool I've ever used in terms of just brand. Now he's got specific tools for electricianship that he's cobbled together wire cutters or a bender. He has to do those gigantic girder, you know, bend bending girder. Um, he has to do the really thick copper wire for a bunch of the buildings in the city because they're, you know, and you can't bend them, but you have to make them do a really tight loop around something. He just made them in Jimmy's shop one day when he came up because he was like, no, everybody makes them. They're all pieces of shit. You know, I know that now going forward, I'm not going to be working with, you know, inch thick copper wire anytime in the near future. But if I did, I would know that I probably wouldn't go buy something from an electrician shop or somebody that sells a tool like that. I would make the one that I saw him do yeah. because he works in the trades and that influence happened one-to-one. Yeah. Patrick's not on YouTube. He doesn't, he doesn't care about the social media thing. And then that little bit of information I get to take going forward and going, okay, I know I can trust Milwaukee tools because he's dropped them off 60 foot ladders. And also if I need to bend wire, I should build the thing. Yeah. I mean, that's like, that's exactly what uh, my experience is with people that work in trades. And that's, that they either uh, they take advice from the people they work with. So like if they're an apprentice coming up and everyone else on the team is using Milwaukee or DeWalt or Ryobi or whatever, they're, they're going to go with that brand um, as they branch out a bit more and they speak to more people and, you know, they'll play with the tools themselves and see what they get on with and what they like and what they don't. Then they're going to build that opinion on their own um, based on the, uh, like the secondhand experience of other people that have used those brands and those tools, um, but also on their own personal experience from from having handled those tools. Like you know, if you've borrowed a friend's um, uh, drill for half an hour or something, can you and you 
you go, oh, this feels really nice in the hand, or you know, this feels fucking horrible, whatever. Then yeah, you, you have that experience. Whereas the, I guess the the kind of social media and the YouTube following the the hobbyists, they they're the ones that are going to get or that are more likely to be influenced by what they see on um, on social media on YouTube on Instagram or whatever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I think that's kind of where uh, a lot of the marketing. Um, within the social media scene comes from that's why some of the what are seen as um like trade brands don't tend to sponsor people on youtube because it's you know that they know full well that the the average person that's actually going to be influenced by what they're seeing online isn't going to be buying a, a, a bit of trade equipment yeah, it, it's it's just not the way things work. I mean, they're wrong. There there are the the one in a thousand or one in a hundred thousand that that might, but it's it's a rare thing. So I think it's yeah, like you say, brands are becoming more and more aware of not only um, uh, who their uh, targeted audience are, but also like you say, like the the fact that. Um, it's not just about the numbers anymore. It's about the actual impact that that person can have. Yeah. I think. Uh, oh, I, you're muted. Yeah. No, I was, oh, I was just going to say like, um, <laughs> yeah, you say it's not about the numbers, but like they even start to kind of um, create sort of imaginary numbers now. So like uh, perceived value and like, you know, yeah. so many million dollars worth of, you know, social media value. Like it's not an actual number um and doesn't isn't worth anything but it's like it's the equivalent of how much they would have cost on advertising for example right so like festival you know festival for example would be sat there just going you know it would literally cost us this much money to invest in sponsorship deals on social media and we would get this much back and it's just not worth it and that's them just being really pragmatic about it and really just like literal with the numbers but they're not taking into account like brand perception and brand value and how much how much actually that is worth because you can't really measure that whereas literally they're just looking at out you know outgoing outgoings versus incomings mm-hmm. uh, and the yeah the, the the brands that have got a bit of um not foresight but are willing to just take a bit of a gamble in terms of we're not going to get a direct return on this but actually in the long run it's going to be worth more to us because people yeah. will care. So like, you know, KFC fucking up with the chicken delivery last year. <laughs> fucking genius. And the first thing they do is pay an advertising agency to get to get something out the next day, you know, two days later or something. Yeah. So instead of like backtracking and, oh shit, we need, we've just lost a load of money. It's like, no, spend more money. <laughs> uh, and make everyone think you're hilarious. Make everyone love you again. And then yeah. you'll sell twice as much chicken and you'll, you'll, you'll have made more money than you ever did just because, you know, you chose to choose a, cheaper delivery service (laughs) (laughs) did steve raise his hand i was waiting for steve no i didn't he was he was just like celebrating oh okay he was just like chicken (laughs) i love chicken so i the way the way i look at it going forward after this is it it's not like it wasn't a thought in my head because i don't think i'm chasing the numbers or or chasing the the social media presence uh like some folks might um and all that all that uh reminds me of is the fact that we're you know the whole vibe that i always try and put out there at least this is this is my personal perspective is just the sharing of ideas the steve i've I've talked to you about it a ton of times but i love when you say high tides raise all ships right we're all trying to be not successful crazy celebrity youtubers pseudo celebrity youtubers because outside of the youtube space nobody really gives a shit but if you're able to talk to 10 of your closest friends and change their life for the better because you made a suggestion based on some knowledge um based on what craig said it it just makes me pay more attention to always trying always trying to put the best foot forward right always trying to let people know that I'm genuine when I say that this thing is a good tool or good kit, or this is if I'm going to say like, man, I really like this person. When we do our spiffings, it's the same kind of deal. It's, it's not just picking off of a random list and trying to say, "Eh, you know, they're all right. Or they're in the, they're in the fool's crew, whatever, you know, just 
we want to obviously build up the people closest around us, but every time I try and learn or every time I, I get to learn about a new person or a tool or a channel, what have you, it's if, if I can help feed that into other people, like I messaged Jeff Fader this morning and said, Hey, I think you should just as a note, I think you should look at this Tommy guy from crooked river forge, which was the bladesmith that was working next to me on the anvils. Yeah. Tommy, you like, laugh every you laugh every time Brett says Jeff Fader for the same reason that I do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't know what that is. Um, I I just put a note note in his ear because I think Jeff's insane and hilarious and fun, um, but he's also a no BS kind of guy. And I think Tommy. I met him last year and then got to work next to him this year. And we just had a lot of high five moments. And he's like, Oh, it's so cool to be more in the forge together. This is so cool. He was so attentive to all of the students and like really wanted everybody to achieve something and like way worked overtime to get people to walk away with a basic knife and impart all the knowledge that he possibly could in a very short period of time. And he's just got such a good attitude about it, but we come from completely different backgrounds and we have very different lifestyles, but he's still just carrying the vibe forward in a really, really passionate way. Um, and but is, is, it, is it in a way that you you would expect, or is it in the traditional way? Because I think I think what's well, I was you- surrounded by a few people that less than impressed me. I'll say that. So, not to not to cut you off, but. As as great as the weekend was, I definitely there. You know, I'm taking mental notes the whole time of who's engaging with who. What yeah. what person looks like they're on paper way too important to be talking to that person right now, and they're doing it. Yeah, you had moments of insane solidarity of mm-hmm. of just like watching somebody that had never done anything before. I had a, I had a gentleman come into the forge, never swung a hammer before in his life. Like I don't even think he'd swung like a hammer and nail situation. It's like he was holding the hammer wrong when he picked it up. And I was like, oh, okay. So we're starting from the beginning. He made a great S hook. It took him quite a bit and he, he got a little, you know, nervous and a little down on himself of how long it was taking him. The second day he came back and said, if you have space, I would love to give it another go. Mm-hmm. And I said, absolutely. Let's, let's have you put it, put you over there. And he goes, well, honestly, I, I'd like to fail on something. So do you have anything that's a little bit of a step up? And it was like, oh yeah. So we went big and I made, I gave him a huge challenge and everybody started engaging with him because it's like, everybody got this solidarity of like, oh my God, he's trying. He's never done this before. Let's see how it goes. And every time he'd kind of achieve a point, you could see the little group that was around us was feeling the vibe of it. And everyone was high-fiving and doing stuff. And he was a super quiet, really reserved guy. Found out he's like a really talented illustrator spends a lot of time by himself, not a very social, social dude. Um, but those moments, those little influential moments where you feel like people are paying attention or, or seeing the things. Sorry, Al, you put it in the pre-show. It's, it's like, uh, more than meets the eye, right? All I did was make a fish hook. (laughs) Oh my God. The things that came out of it. I, I feel like if I had to be a little bit, selfish about it i want to say he walked away with a massive confidence boost yeah just in terms of his ability to do something he's never done before and achieve a goal i think there's there's so much power in that and i think i think um that uh, i'm guilty of it i've always been guilty of just like assuming things or taking things for granted so i assume if i know something because i'm a moron that everybody would know it and and so I, I, I more often than not frustrate people because I go into a, a, an exercise just assuming everyone knows how to do things or everyone mm. knows how to wire a plug or, you know, like which way to sand things. You know, like it, it's just, to me, it's just common sense or logic. Like, well, that's obviously the way it goes. Like, do you not know what fucking gravity is? Like, you know, all this stuff that I'm working out in my head at a thousand miles an hour, I just assume right. everyone else knows that. Yeah. Um, but I, I'm, as I grow and mature, I realize that's not the case and not everybody thinks the same way I do. So you, you can't take things for granted. So exactly to your point about this guy leaving with something, I'm learning more now that um, 
there is so much more going going on behind the scenes. So a small gesture that might be something as simple as just like showing someone how to do something or letting someone use something or pointing out something, you know, like I, I, I get embarrassed pointing things out because I, I feel like I'm being patronizing. Uh, oh, did you know yeah. you could just uh, click that little drop down menu and, 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 and you could be like, what? Like you've just changed my world. Like, you know, <laughs> and, and I'm always reluctant to do it at the risk of sort of sounding yeah. patronizing or like condescending someone because, you know, of course they know every fucking tool on a computer. They're a grown man, but you, you, I'm learning so much more that behind every single decision and every single word and every conversation, there's so much more going on and, yeah. and you, and you can, you can affect people. You can change people's lives. I mean, we've, we've had emails sent to us, like just us three rambling on people going like, Oh, you've, you've not, you've not you've changed my life, but you know, you, you're making a difference or you, you, you know, it, what you said the other week really, really resonated. And it was like, I thought we were just talking about like, you know, sandwiches, but, <laughs> it, <laughs> but one man's sandwich conversation is another man's, you know, um, thoughts on evolution or yeah. uh, understanding of how the world works. So yeah. Yeah. No, I I'm taking things for granted, Steve. <laughs> I am. Um, it, it's funny. You like, the way that you you said about that about um, the fact that you assume that people uh, know things, um, I ha- having done a, a lot of the teaching stuff, it's I I know very well that actually you can't assume that, and you do kind of at times you you do have to be a little bit patronising, and you do kind of have to say, well, actually that's not the end of the hammer that you're supposed to hold, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and and stuff like that, and but. But the thing is, is there's there's this weird thing where with the audience that you have as well, they they need to engage. Um, and I mean, I've, I've I've talked before about how it can be really difficult to uh, to find a way to connect with the people that you're uh, talking to. Um, and th- that you're trying to engage with. Um, and sometimes you just, they're, they're not willing to engage. So we had a class um, Saturday just gone and Joe was leading the class um, and I was assisting. Um, for those of you that don't know, Joe is about 10 years younger than me. Um, and there was, uh, it was quite a nice mix of people on the class Um there was a lady in her fifties. There was a couple of guys in their forties. There was a father and son team. Mm. Um, and then there was two, two gents that were retirement age. And we managed to find a way to communicate with each and every one of them. And, you know, we, we, we made some real connections and made some real friends and had some really, really interesting conversations. Um, but the, the two older guys, we spent a very, very long time telling them fire control your steel's burning you're not hitting that right you're doing this wrong stop hitting it when it's that cold you're going to split the steel there's not enough heat in that do this do that and going over and over it again and tried every single way we could think of but they just they weren't they weren't engaging because they assumed that they knew better um and that throughout the day became more and more prevalent um, so I think there's, there's that other thing to be kind of aware of is the fact that it's not just about, um, uh, talking, uh, how can I word this? So whereas with, um, with a lot of the, uh, the, the bigger guys, there's, there's a lot of kind of talking at, uh, people in a very general sense, whereas it seems, um, with the the smaller people, there's a lot more kind of those, those conversations where you actually engage and you actually talk and you actually um, throw ideas back and forth. Um, And I feel like that kind of that attitude of, uh, well, I know better. I don't really care what you say. I think that works in the same way uh, in reverse, that, that attitude of, well, no, this is the way that I do it. And therefore this is the right way, which we've talked about before. Like that, that whole, thing if you're watching someone or if you're, you're trying to engage with someone or so, sorry if you're watching someone and you're trying to learn from someone else and they are adamant this is the only way that it can be done and you go well 
it's not because I've seen it done another way. Like you, you kind of lose um, lose respect for that person. So I think that's possibly one of the other things that these people are going to be looking at is the fact that if you're engaging with um, your your audience or the people that you're you're dealing with, the fact that you're going to be willing to kind of bend and change your perspectives. Um, I think I think that pers- perspective thing is a really good point, Steve, because it it's about just not seeing things like in binary. So yeah. like you know, this is this is what it looks like, yes or no. Um I think if you if you have a bit of sort of lateral thinking <clears throat> and I hate that term in terms of like um when you're talking about branding and kind of like, you know, let's think outside the box, you know, I, 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 I just drives me up the fucking wall. But if you can see um more than what's going on on, on the outside or the surface, you know, and I don't, I don't just mean like per- people's personalities or people's values and things, but just like what's the, un- what's, what's the underlying reason why that person is behaving like that? Or why, why do they, why, you know, why are they reacting in a certain way? Or why does that person have that certain sense of humor? And if, if you can, if you, if you've got the energy or the, the patience to kind of invest and find out why there might be something a little bit deeper, um, you, you're going to get more out of it. Because you'd be like, oh yeah, he seemed like a bit of a dick at first, but actually, once you get past it, uh, he's just Australian and he's got a little duck for his logo. <laughs> <laughs> um, and and you can you realise that it's not as simple as it seems. Um, and I I love overcomplicating things, but I think that's because life is complicated, and I think situations are complicated, and dynamics between, especially between between people, are complicated because yeah, we, we it, it's. You know, some of my friends, some of my best friends in my life are very complicated people. And, you know, it's only easy to get on with them because you're both kind of letting your guard down a little bit and going, I know you don't think the same as me. Mm-hmm. And I know you don't do things the same as me. Um, but that's okay because there's more, it's more than just a one way street. Yeah. Um, and and, I, and I, I love that, um, that idea that there's, that there's more going on. And it's the same with anything. It's the same with objects, with tools. You know, I love I love a tool where you 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 realize you have this revelation one day where you can do something else with it, and you're like, oh fuck yeah! Like I don't I don't even have to pick that up anymore because I, I can just use this instead. Um, or you know, you, you can you 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 hear something a song that you never heard before. Or you see something in a film that you never saw before. I know Brett when you talk about um, things like Baby Driver, where you you know you really pay attention to the details and you can pick things out. Like I love going back. Like I remember watching Ace Ventura for the first time in like I don't know twenty yeah, fucking yeah. years, and I used to watch that film all the fucking time. Like like I had it on VHS, and it was like every night I come in drunk and I'd put Ace Ventura on. It was either Ace Ventura or Hard Target, and. <laughs> And then I watched it again recently, and there was so much shit that I'd never noticed before. Like every, like little tiny, like I'm. I'm I, need not, an, I need an example. I, just like, just goofy shit that Jim Carrey was obviously doing that was like unscripted, mm. and like just like his mannerisms and like the way he touched stuff or moved stuff out of the way, like really subtle shit. Um, because at the time, like when you when you're young, you just assume it's all like fart jokes and him doing impressions of things. But he was actually like a performer, and he was—he was for all his nonsense. Now he was obviously very good at what he was doing and very clever. Um, and there were so many things and so many references that were actually quite mature, and I didn't—I didn't understand. And like quite cultured and 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 movie references that weren't just like him doing impressions of people. There was like physical things and and and, and like even like down to like driving and, and vehicles and stuff. And it's like fucking hell, like. If I wasn't drunk and I was paying attention, there would be a hell of a lot more going on. <laughs> so, do you like, think it's about that's that's a presence thing? It's like you're more you're more present or you're more mindful in those situations, so that you're kind of allowing yourself to no, be more influenced. No, 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 I don't think it's a um, a measurement thing. I think it's a completely just a completely different mindset. Mm-hmm. So it's not that I, it's not that this time around I was, I was paying more attention. It was that you weren't inebriated. Got it. No, like I'm, <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm looking at the reds instead of the greens, right? Yeah, and, right. and all of a sudden it's like, oh fuck, you know, I've, I've, I never saw it like this. Yeah, no, I think that's a, a I, I, I like that kind of uh, analogy of it, and I'm trying to think of a another way of putting it, and I can't really, but I, I, 
I get what you mean. <laughs> just leave it at Ace Ventura. I think it works the world around. No, but even but, that is is a, yeah. is a is a metaphor for everything. I'm saying like you can. Um, I'm not saying like oh look at things in a different way. <laughs> I'm just saying give give everything in your yeah. life a bit more respect. Right. Yeah. Don't, you know it, it's the short tempered like impatience that is, that is um, devaluing everything. You know you yeah. haven't got you haven't got the time to appreciate a slug, whereas actually there's some pretty badass stuff going on in a slug. Yeah. Just because at first glance you think it's gross and and you know you, you squished <laughs> in between your toes in the kitchen. Yeah. Uh, like. Um... Sorry, here I, it goes. He's got it. He's, he's got, got it. it. He's got it. He's got it. No, I, I haven't got a thing. I just wanted to talk about the fact that uh, when you said about slugs, um, <laughs> no, I was, I was listening to uh, No Such Thing as a Fish earlier on, and they were talking about um, uh, transitional anuses and the fact that these uh, jellyfish that have that only have an anus, a, a, anus when they need to defecate, but they do it once an hour, so in the space of a day, they grow and get rid of an anus 24 times. <laughs> so they have 24 different anuses. It was just a really interesting fact. But that's the thing. It's like, this is this little tiny jellyfish that you would think nothing of. And you're like, it's just a fucking jellyfish. Yeah. And then you find out that every day it grows and gets rid of 25 anus, uh, 24 anuses. Like, that's, that's such a cool little fact. <laughs> I, um, I really hope David Attenborough at some point in his life has had this conversation <laughs> with <people. laughs> Number eleven, but, uh, <laughs> and but, yeah, here we see number twenty-four. <laughs> but like the the sea cucumber, like it's it's literally just a cylindrical blob of, bleh, but it does some really cool shit, and I think that's kind. Of, correct me if I'm wrong, Al, but I think that's kind of what you're saying is the fact that if you if you give things a little bit more time and a little bit more. Um, uh, I don't want to say patience, but like if you actually just look at things in a, in a slightly different way, you don't just gloss over it. Then there's so much more just under the surface. I'm not. I'm not going to say don't judge a book by its cover because it's, it's literally the best way to judge a book without reading it. <laughs> but it, I'm, I'm saying more like smell the paper, fold the, <laughs> fold the book. You know, like I was genuinely just about to make a scratch and sniff joke, like as in <laughs> like. If you've got a scratch and sniff, you need to actually scratch it. You can't just look at it. You've got to smell it. Uh, but, no, but exactly, you know, there might be more to the book than you ever thought. Have you ever considered how the um, the folios are made or, you know, what's binding it together? It's like, just have a bit of respect for shit because everything's yeah. awesome. <clears throat> Sorry, carry Go on, on Brett. Brett's got his hand up. No, you did this <laughs> last time, Steve. You can't do that. It, it was a. The thing is, is it's only going to make sense to people that have listened to the Scratch podcast, because uh, it's when I think it was Doc was talking about um, opening up uh, the CD liner from albums and oh, smelling yeah. them, <laughs> and smelling them, and the fact that each one had a different smell, and you could tell different record yeah. labels, and you could tell what the album was going to be like by what the ink smelled like. It's yeah. fucking hilarious. If you haven't listened to Scratch, you listen to Scratch. So anyway, Brett, carry on. <laughs> Back now, to this podcast. Now I just want to talk about smelling things that you wouldn't typically go after smelling. Like you pick up a bag of coffee and you're like, I want to smell the coffee. Get it. Yeah. If you pick up a book. Yeah. I think there's a certain type of person that will Why go, not? Mm, you smell shoes, like new shoes. Like, oh, yeah. Oh, fucking hell. Everybody new loves shoes. the new car smell. Yeah. What, 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 what don't you smell? Do you smell? <laughs> what don't you smell? What don't you smell? Gla- like sunglasses? <laughs> yep, this will do. <laughs> I, believe these, I believe these will sit on my head just fine. Well, no, I, I was going to... Something that's that close to your nose, you want it to smell like You want nice. it to not smell like shit, exactly. Yeah. yeah. I was going to try and bring it a, bring it back around. Um, just in terms of uh, the, the presence or day-to-day presence, right? Um, and realizing that those those influences i'm trying to look for a better word because i heard that too much this weekend um just the interaction you have with somebody especially in this this making situation that most of us are in um yeah why why does the person use the tool that way you know why why do they pick up their angle grinder and sniff it (laughs) I'm like, nope, motor's still good. Oh, I didn't know you could smell a burnout motor like that. I don't know. Maybe it's the first time you've ever experienced somebody doing that. 
or <laughs> by... It doesn't stop Eric doing it with every single thing he touches. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um, I love the Nutella oil thing <laughs> that he does. Um, but there's, there's, a, there's kind of a fascination with... I, I know we've hinted at it or, or talked about it in a few other podcasts, but when you dive a little bit deeper into, say, those interactions that you have with other people, I get to meet a handful of folks uh, over the weekend that I'd only met socially or on social media only to realize that like everything that's under the surface, like Steve said, is these people with very interesting lives or very interesting backgrounds. It ends up making a tighter connection, right? You're not looking at that surface thing and, you know, Al's judge a book by your cover thing. It's, it's silly, but it absolutely works. Well, for books, I agree with that. But with people, with these people that I meet, you all come to a common ground and you expect that, or if your expectations are set at, okay, we're all going to be here. Some people will weld. Some other people will do these things. We'll talk about welding and we'll talk about the other things. But if you take the time to actually engage a little bit more and say, all right, you know, Dennis, who's a guy I've followed on social media for a long time. Um, we got to sitting at the little fool's forge situation and I learned a lot about him. It turns out the reason his photos on his Instagram account, he's very proud of the photo work that he does. He was a photographer for 15 years. So you go, Oh, if you make really good wood projects, that's great. If you want to photograph them well, because you're trying to sell them and create a market for yourself, go look at somebody like Dennis Nestor. He is a very humble and very talented man, but the photography that he does and how far outside of the box his brain is in terms of lighting and color and how something will look under, you know, a certain type of lighting, or if you have really high contrast, well, the wood grain will come out, but no one's house looks like that. So you could sell them on that product, but it's never actually going to look like that when they're holding it, you know, unless you turned all the lights off and then shined a flashlight at it. Um, I had an experience with a young woman who came over to the forge who had never done any work on an anvil before and never swung a hammer and looked really uncomfortable uncomfortable for the first few hours that she was working. And she eventually ended up with an S hook, you know, and she was really happy about it. The next day I, I really actively, this specific person, I really actively tried to engage and, and make sure they were having a good time and hopefully she was learning and she was feeling invigorated by moving the metal around the next day she walks in and goes um okay so i'm actually going to do a wood project that has welding woodwork and i'd like to forge something for it too so she went from zero hmm. to starting to put ideas together and she was very quiet and i couldn't get a gauge on you know like i was saying if she was having a good time or not but I didn't expect much from it. I was like, I hope you had a good time. Have a sleep, wake up the next morning. She's one of the first faces there going like, I have an idea. So had, had I not taken the time to engage a little bit more, I don't know if I would have gotten that same reaction out of her. Right. It's like whatever was lying under the surface and whatever my expectations were, it was that more than meets the eye moment of I made, I made my distinction during the class of, Oh, I hope she enjoys this, but you know, She'll probably not come back tomorrow or maybe she'll go take this on. I don't know if she'll do any forging. Now she just wants to bend metal on everything. I'm like, yay. <laughs> but that all that took was walking in with the expectation that there's more going on. There's more going on. There's a reason these people are here trying an anvil out. It's not just because they've seen a television show and want to make whatever they've seen on the television show, which will remain nameless. But it was really, really, really awesome to just watch people's brain unlock a little bit because what you don't know that's going on under the surface is they're exploring. They're trying to see what they like. They're trying to see what's going to engage them. If you happen to reciprocate the passion or the, the attitude about it, I felt like there was just a lot of progress made, but if I would have walked in there of just going, I'm teaching, I'll tell people how to do stuff and they'll move along. <laughs> it would have been an absolute failure. Yeah, I mean it's hard work. It's exhausting. Like, so I don't know if it's um like a time investment thing or an energy investment, um or like just sort of setting your principles aside for a moment because that's also difficult to just kind of go, 
oh, I just need to look at this in a slightly different way. It's you know, it's quite it, 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 you can't do it subconsciously. You have to kind of actively go out of your way to 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 look at things in a different way. I don't, I don't think that. And uh, last week we talked about kind of um, skills and um, things you're born with and talent and stuff. Um, I don't think people are given that skill. I think I think you have to actually put effort into to, to to look a little deeper. Um, but but to your to your point, Brett, once you do, you know you you can find um, much richer much richer relationships or value in things that maybe at first don't seem um, worth worth much. You know, it's, it's similar with like with with scrap and junk and stuff. It's like you can look at it and be like, ah, oh, it's not worth the effort, but Give it a clean up, give it a sand, you know, there might be some nice wood in the middle, just needs a bit of effort. Um yeah, it would be easier to just go and get some some new stock. Uh but actually, you know, give it give it a chance. Just, you know. Um that that's easy to say for someone who like likes junk and likes kind of reclaiming stuff, but um I don't do it because I give a shit about the environment or like I'm preaching to anything about recycling. I just do it because it's there and it's free and I haven't got time to go and get anything else. So like, <laughs> just I got time to bleed yeah. money. <clears throat> got time to duck. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like just, just looking at, looking at animate fucking objects in a, in a, in a, diff, in a slightly different way. Um, it's amusing. It's entertaining as well. Like you, you find pleasure in things. If, if you, if you, you know, don't look at the same thing every day. Look at the same objects every day. Look at the same alarm clock when you wake up every day. But if you look at it from the underneath and go, oh, actually, I've never seen it this way. I've never looked like that. Never seen mm. the underneath of my kitchen table. Like, all of a sudden, there's, there's a new kind of spark and keeps keeps things fresh, keeps things interesting. Yeah. No, <laughs> I'm, I'm having a lot of labyrinth imagery going through my head right now. Because <laughs> the whole time, Hoggle's, Hoggle, if anybody hasn't seen Labyrinth, there's a creature, and then there's uh, Jennifer Connelly, right? Yep. Um, and the whole time he's just like, "You take everything for granted. That's your <laughs> problem." And like she doesn't see the labyrinth for yeah, you know what it really is, which is just a lot of mind trickery. And then when she figures things out, she gets all happy. But yeah, I've watched that movie a thousand times, and that's all I have going through my head is Hoggle going, "You take everything for granted." I mean, I think this is this is a subject that we've we have spoken about before and it's something that we could we could go round in circles uh, not round in circles but we could go on about for hours and hours and hours talking about the like the importance of of not taking things at face value um and i think it is it is something that is uh worth discussion um and i i'd love to say that there's like an easy way to um to to show people the value in it or to, to convince them that, you know, it is worth giving them that or giving things that extra, uh, bit of time or respect or whatever. Oh, okay. That extra (laughs) sniff. Extra sniff. Um, And, but there's not, I think it is one of those things that is, it's just, uh, it's part of, part of the makeup of, of what makes us who we are and what, what makes someone. Yeah. And I think that again, like, like that's, that's one of the things with being, uh, maker in air quotes is the fact that you you do tend to give things uh, a little bit more time and a little bit more respect. I mean, you, you know, you think about before I'm speaking to you as in person listening. Like before you started getting into the maker community and before you started making things and, and putting things together, how often did you look at a table and just see a table? Whereas now, how often do you look at a table and think, oh, I wonder how that was put together? Mm. And it, it's just it's about going that little bit further and just applying those kind of thoughts and attitudes to more than just a table. Um, it, 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 it doesn't have to be this kind of um, existential fucking enlightenment of no. like, no. you're not looking at it properly, man. It can be like totally hilarious and, and entertaining. Like I did the gag in the, the, the Wolverine video with the legs and it was like, just to get, just things in different perspective can be really funny. Like the, like the leap from the lion's head in Indiana Jones. Like when mm. I saw that as a kid, it blew my fucking mind because like he stood looking at it and you can't see it. And as soon as the camera pans down, it's obviously just the fucking angle. Right. And that's all you had to do was look at it from a different thing. And it was so simple, but it was like a trick. It was like a fun joke. And I, and I love stuff like that. You know, it, it, looking at things in a different way doesn't always have to be this like, 
oh, you've unlocked its secret fucking thing. It's, it, it can just be uh, pleasing and entertaining yeah. or uh, uh, funny for a little bit. Like, oh, you, you know, sitting looking at a cloud and seeing stuff in the clouds. Yeah. You know, or um, seeing faces in things. Like, I love seeing faces in, like, uh, you know, plug sockets and yeah. uh, recycling bins in the street and stuff. You know, it's 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 a human condition, but it 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 you just I just find myself fucking grinning to myself walking down the street because I just yeah. saw a little face. <laughs> it's like <laughs> <laughs> it's it's little, it took no energy. It was just being a little kid. Yeah, it's even little things like uh, number plates, like rather than just Willie. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, like see, seeing a number plate that says. P zero zero and be like, huh, who? <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think that's the thing is it's there is no like silver silver bullet. That's not the right phrase. There's no, there's no garlic like, infused ultraviolet bullet. Exactly. There's yeah. There's no like magic thing that Play we can say. On, that's where you're going with it. <laughs> Um, yeah, there's no magic thing that we can say or do that's going to make everyone suddenly see the world in a beautiful way and all that bollocks. It's it's just a case of just getting out there and and just giving things a little bit more time. And it's not even time. It's just it's just not not just passing over shit and actually stopping and thinking. Yeah. That makes sense? But that that goes that goes like you said. We could have this conversation for hours because it really, really opens up a lot of thoughts and and yeah, it can get a little existential. But something like a uh, just as as an example to continue Al's hilarity and what he sees because his brain is fantastic. Um, take yeah, it's not about taking the time, Steve. No. And I'm going to use this example that Al said last year, because this didn't take 20 years for Al to develop. But last year we were sitting outside of yours and he goes, grass is just mud hair. And I have <laughs> not been able to like, anytime I look at grass now, I'm just, <laughs> it's the mud hair, which is an absolute silly, just childlike thing to look at. You know, it's grass. It's, it's almost everywhere on the planet. And you kind of take it for granted. You step on it. Some people say don't. <laughs> it doesn't really matter one way or the other. It's just more expensive grass that they had to pay for because it didn't exist there. Um, but now I'm going to look look at something like grass. As, like, oh, but you're stepping on the mud's face head. <laughs> and little silly things like that where you kind of take the, the gravity out of things, right? Yeah. This event... I'm going to keep bringing this up because there was just so much camaraderie at this event, specifically with like kind of the inner crew, right? Sharon was there making a knife. She was mm-hmm. working her butt off and exploring a lot of different options. And um, yeah, watching Tim, he's part of an art collective space with his forge setup. I mean, it's all, it's all these, uh, these beautiful moments that come out of not looking at it from the perspective of the event. Oh, I'm going to an event. The event is going to delegate every single thing that I do that day or for the whole weekend. What happens is those those small moments when you see the person realize that they're either making a connection with another person or a tool. Some people got extremely comfortable on the welder and then it was like, well, the, screw the other stuff that's going on. I'm just going to sit here because I never thought I would get this far. But they they've now taken it on as... I did not expect this or I I'm seeing more potential in this thing than I actually had uh, originally perceived. Right. So to bring it up again, you know, you're, you're not taking welding for granted. You're, you're taking a skill or a trade that if you want to get really, really good at it would take you a lot of time and effort. But once, once the mystery comes out of it and you realize it's a hot glue gun, then your whole brain unlocks in terms of, seeing the potential in things. And then you just want to go share with the other people who are already uh, either ahead of you, or maybe also just starting out and you go, go find a connection and then you build the potential between the two of you. And then it just becomes this absolutely unexpected uh, moment that feeds, feeds that, you know, taking, taking a little bit more time. I know we're trying to avoid that. It's time relevant, but (laughs) It those moments are are you can't plan those. No, 
and you have to run with them. And then you have to use it as an example for the future of last time I did this, something really fantastic came out of it. Yeah. Last time I listened to Al talk about grass, <laughs> it was fantastic. So pretty much now, anytime he wants to tell me about the faces that he sees on the street, I'm gonna, I'm just going to listen because it might brighten my day up. Yeah. I, I, I think like it's, I think one of the reasons why we're it's it's kind of hard to to sum this up is because it's it's not a single thing. It's a lot of different things. It's about um, it's about looking a little deeper. It's about having a little bit more imagination. It's about giving things a little more time. It's it's so many different things that it's very hard to put it all into one single. Uh, sentence or word or phrase or whatever. Yes, um, it's very abstract. And so, so you, you know, you can't say give it more time because it's not always give it more time. You can't say give it more imagination because it's not always give it more imagination. If you don't what get this painting, stand in front of is, it longer. Is, what you can say is just be more spiffing. Uh, Al, have you got an order? Uh, yeah, it's abs. Abs. Classic classic abs. Classic abs, which yeah. means that Al, you, uh, Al, yeah, Al, you're up. Hey for Al. Um, yes, I would like to spiff Andy Mack um, because he's done a couple of videos recently about um, a bed that he bought for his daughter and oh. it um, fell apart. I don't, there was lots of questions in the comments, like, "Why the fuck did you buy a bed?" Because the Gosworth handyman, obviously, he's he's yeah. he's a carpenter. Um, he would absolutely know how to make a bed, but he'll give you reasons as to why he probably bought a bed. Yeah. <laughs> um, and he was just really at first sort of really concerned about safety of his daughter, um, and but then beyond that, like safety of other people's children and loved ones yeah. who may have bought a similar bed because it's a really common model. Um, and sold under various guises by various different outlets around the world. And he was like, basically, right, if anyone's got his bed, you need to fucking either fix it or get rid of it. Um, and then just went into just basically uncovering the problems and why, you yeah. know, the bread was not fit for purpose um, and basically really goes into detail. And, and it was about sort of just kind of what we're saying, basically looking deeper into something um you assume that when you buy a bed from a shop that sells beds that it is a bed <laughs> um and this clearly wasn't you know it wasn't fit for purpose uh the the joints were like in the wrong place the the, the glue wasn't even touching the surfaces so there was yeah. nothing holding things together other than a couple of nails so the second you put any force or stress on it you know it was a really good video i suggest you go and watch it um but i like andy's videos in terms of you're going in expecting, oh, it's another woodworking video, but actually he's got, he goes into real depth. Um, I love his kind of build versus buy. Yeah. You know, he's like, you'd expect a, a woodworker to say, you should always make your own. Don't go to Ikea. <laughs> and then he just like makes, I think, three a three-part video of why you should buy Ikea furniture. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think, I think, and he's all, obviously all done with his, with his unique sense of humor, but I think, yeah. yeah. And if you don't know Andy Mack, Go check him out. Uh, and his video, his YouTube channel is the Gosforth Handyman. Brett. <laughs> yes. It, that's my name. Oh, my turn. Okay. Uh, this has to go to Tim Cunningham and Franco Noche from Cleveland this weekend because uh, Franco brought amazing Franco food. <laughs> Frank, Franco file. Franco file? No. <laughs> Different meaning. Uh, and Tim was nice enough to host and plan the event. I mean, they actually put a lot of work into planning the little hangout, which was centered around the larger hangout where everyone was going and drinking in the four or five different buildings that all kind of share walls. Um, it was really awesome, though. I mean, I think at one point we maybe had 20 or 30 people there hanging out, food, drinks, forging. Couldn't have been a more comfortable hangout space. And Tim did an amazing job. Because uh, a few people jumped on anvils having never swung before. And he went straight into teacher mode. He teaches <laughs> classes all the time. He's freaking good at it. I got to meet his wife as well, who 
was just like, yep, this is what he is. He's awesome. <laughs> like you hear that from someone's significant other without like a big shit eating grin on her face. She was like, no, he's yeah. I'm, I'm a lucky lady. You're like, Oh man, that's <laughs> so sweet. So Tim, awesome. Franco was an absolute fucking delight to meet in person. And he took care of all of us with his amazing food. So it was, it was really, really nice. Nice. Yeah. Couple of good people though. Uh, that means it's me. And I don't have a reason for this spiff at all. Other than the fact that this person is super fucking awesome. Uh, and that's Soph as in make it Soph. Um, no, no particular reason. I don't know. We've spiffed her before, but I just fucking love her. She's ace. (laughs) (laughs) Although actually saying that also, she did lose her fence this week. So there is that. So she's fiffing. Yeah. Well done, Joe, <laughs> for losing your fence. Uh, right. Any other business? Make your uh, central very soon. Do the thing. Make your central. By the time this comes out, it's already too late. <laughs> um, you it's you not, can't do it. You still can. And you should. <laughs> if you haven't, you should. You can't. It's a different timeline. It doesn't make any difference. Oh, okay. Um, it wasn't a spoiler. Um, Yes, also, uh, this, <laughs> this, com- this comes out and um, the episode of Scratch that I was on last week is out now. So go and check it out because it's fucking hilarious. And mm. it's basically me at four in the morning because they record at a ridiculous time in the States. Yeah. Uh, so imagine me even more tired uh, and talking <laughs> even more bollocks on a podcast that's basically sole principle is about conspiracy theories and uh, oh my God. <laughs> piss jugs and chowder. Um, yeah. yeah. Go check was, it out. I was so disappointed after recording last week's episode and the new scratch came out. I was like, Oh fuck, I was going to be on it. Um, <laughs> and then you weren't. And I was like, Oh man. Um, but yeah, definitely go check. No, out. I, th- I think they recorded like a whole stack of them yeah. in a row. So they had some in the, on the, on the back burner. Um, yeah, if you're in there, and it's not just a shameless plug for me. If you don't listen to Scratch, you should because it's it's, it's fucking it's hilarious. hilarious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> really, really like that show now. Uh, nothing to do with making. No, it really isn't. <laughs> uh, cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. If you haven't done the things for Maker Central, go do the things. If you want to get hold of us. Uh, you can find us in all of the usual places. You can find me at Moonshot Metalworks. You can find Brett at Sconspade13. And you can find Al at Al's Hack Shack. There we go. It's not basketball. Fucking <laughs> prick. Uh, if you want to get hold of us as a group, you can find us at Fools with Tools on facebook uh it's because the only it's that's the only one with fools at all everywhere else it's fwt podcast um you can find us everywhere else (laughs) no i was gonna say you can find most of the shows uh at fwtpodcast.com they've not been up for a couple weeks because i've been slack uh and yeah and if you want to meet us then we'll be at maker central so you should totally do that uh, I think that's it. Is that it? That face says that's it. Bye. Okay, love you guys. Bye. Bye.